Is there a lesson for you for anyone else looking looking at this? The mistakes that you made with Greg and Brian? Well, they're dead. <laughs> so in general, uh, you always have to be careful. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. Okay. Welcome to Mechanical Freak. We're broadcasting live from one of the six professional sporting events taking place in rain-soaked Seattle, Washington, that city of the future, on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia today, where teams of technicians are racing around a cross-eyed Mayor Durkin, frantically dousing her with cold water and pumping her full of coolant as smoke billows from her ears and oil trickles from her nose after a subroutine responsible for determining which team to root for got stuck in an infinite loop. That's right. <laughs> You're here. This is Mechanical Freak. We have uh, the powerful trinity of Cassidy Munoz <laughs> yes. and myself, Colin. Uh, as you heard, our associates, Greg and Brian, uh, they're gone. Yeah. Um, rest in peace. Rest in power. <laughs> yeah, rest in power. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, uh, yeah, another problematic fave, Jeffrey Epstein. Um, if you if you missed that that reference, um, Bill Gates is still doing the rounds trying to rehabilitate himself somehow. Um, I, I do have to say this was a harder interview than Anderson Cooper. Yeah, yeah. He he was pushed a little bit more, uh, but basically he um, sort of flubs this question of if you could if you could do it over again. What what might you do? Um, and I guess the answer is he's dead. So you, you don't have to consider <laughs> yeah, that. It's, it's a nice, uh, uh, it's a nice uh, pedophilia and like, racketeering uh, racket you have there. Uh, <laughs> it would be a shame if you spontaneously die in jail cell. You know? <laughs> and the tapes would be missing. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and uh, my answer is not, no, I would not do that. But <laughs> hey, he's dead. So <laughs> it's Bill's version of fuck around and find out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The dude blue screened. What can you say? <laughs> uh, well, since we have Cassidy, as you all know, um, we're going to do some cool union stories or relatively cool union stories. Uh, and uh, I just remembered, I meant to look this episode up, but uh, a few months ago, we'll put a link to it when we actually find it. Uh, we talked about Yahtzee, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, which did Greg say he was a part of? Is that correct? Greg is not a part of oh, them. Right. So first okay. off, Greg is not part of a union, which mm. like... <laughs> We'll talk about that when he's here and can defend himself. But um, no, so IOTC is like, it's people that do like lighting and like costume design and things like that, which like is just as critical to the work. But, um, you know, Greg, he talked a little bit about his experience uh, in that type of workplace, which is really similar in that, you know, there's really long hours and things that they call like Fratter days, which is where, you know, the, the, fr this Friday turns into a Saturday and they just mm -hmm. keep on working. Mm. Um, so yeah, like if you want some context for what's been going on the past couple months, definitely check out that episode. Yeah. And so I think we sort of set the stage in that episode for this 
the showdown, but the union head was working to call a vote which would allow them to basically call a strike. Um, and I think this is this was maybe started a couple weeks ago. Um, and so far from what I've seen, and maybe uh, you can correct me if you've seen differently, they, they're kind of, they're trying to uh, test to see if the, um, if they're, if they're willing to push the union uh, because they, it was very diplomatic, the letter that I saw saying, we'd, we'd really rather not do this, but um, we need to make sure that these provisions are met. And so we have a little excerpt from that article, uh, which I'm going to read here. It says, after months of negotiating successor contracts to the producer Yahtzee basic agreement and the theatrical and television motion picture area standards agreement, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, AMPTP, which represents major film and television production companies, announced it does not intend to make any counteroffer to the IATSE's most recent proposal. Throughout the bargaining process, the AMPTP has failed to work with us on addressing the most grievous problems in their workplaces, including excessively unsafe and harmful working hours, unlivable wages for the lowest paid crafts, consistent failure to provide reasonable rest during meal breaks between workdays and on weekends. Workers on certain new media, that's in quotes, streaming projects get paid less, even on productions with budgets that rival or exceed those of traditionally released blockbusters. It is incomprehensible that the AMPTP, an ensemble that includes media mega corporations, collectively worth trillions of dollars, claims it cannot provide behind-the-scenes crews with basic human necessities like adequate sleep, meal breaks, and living wages. Worse, management does not appear to even recognize our core issues as problems that exist in the first place. Those issues are real for the workers in our industry, and change is long overdue. However, the explosion of streaming combined with the pandemic has elevated and aggravated working conditions, bringing 60,000 behind-the-scenes workers covered by these contracts to a breaking point. We risked our health and safety all year working through the pandemic to ensure that our business emerged intact. Now we cannot and will not accept the deal that leaves us with an unsustainable outcome. Yeah. So, I mean, just to speak on that last point, I think, you know, just in 2021 alone, we have seen a lot of really high profile strikes happening. Um, you know, we saw Nabisco the most recently, mm -hmm. um, the Frito-Lays one. And I think that again, like it's just the, you know, we have all known for such a long time that working conditions are unsafe. People are not getting paid well enough, but the pandemic has really just made people go like, fuck this, you know, like we're ready to withhold our labor um, because like why we have risked our lives for things like movies, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's gotten to a point that it's like enough is enough, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to totally rehash our previous episode, but you should go listen to that one because it talks about those working conditions in more explicit terms. And the fact that um, more or less the schedule dictates that by the end of the week, which is Friday and Saturday, right? You're getting into these Friday things where you're doing like 14 hour days and you may not be able to have a lunch break because of some shooting requirements. Um, so it's, I mean, it's pretty serious, basic stuff uh, that they're 
fighting for. And you had found something else here, uh, Cassidy, right? About um, these worker stories. Yeah. So there is a Instagram um, page uh, called IA Stories, which, um, yeah, they've, I, I don't know if it's an organizer or what, but they've been collecting stories from IOTSI workers um, just about the hellish working conditions that they face. And, you know, it's, it's things that you're talking about, but they're talking about the, the real things that happen when you work 17, 18 hour days, which is that you fall asleep at the wheel, you know? Yeah. Um, and that you, you have these situations where, yeah, you've, you've worked seven days a week for three weeks straight and you haven't gotten a night of eight hours of sleep in a month, you know? Um, and it's just, I think something that's been really interesting for me reading these stories is again, we have known that these working conditions have been terrible, but the thing that makes it, quite unique um, for this industry is I think for so long, the bosses have been able to weaponize the idea of like, ooh, come work in Hollywood. Like if you don't get take this job, then somebody else is going to because mm-hmm. you're so lucky to have this job. Um, and that's something that I think we see a lot of the time in campaign work and like political work as well as it's the same sort of ideas like, well, if you're not going to do it, somebody else is. And so for you to ask for extra hours off, like, how dare you? Um, but again, like with the pandemic, I think people are just like, fuck this dude. Like I'm not working 18 hour days for three weeks straight. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It sounds like torture outside of the pandemic. And then to add that in is, uh, Absolutely. And I mean, there's, there's even stories on there of like, just in the past like week, and it sounds like several people submitted the same story because, you know, they were all on set. Somebody died on one of these movie sets. And I guess like, you know, they had to call the ambulance and all this sort of stuff. And the director was like, Hey, I need you guys guys to keep it down um, because we're trying to film. (laughs) And it's just like for the, someone literally died on their set and it, it went unrecognized by the crew Same. or not by the crew, but by the producers and stuff, because yeah, they wow. were so worried about making time and getting their movie done. And it's just like, just like, these are people's lives. Like yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. That's taking the show must go on a little, little bit too literally, I think. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you know, you know, go ahead, go ahead, man. Profession, you know, is coming back and everything, but I would gladly like not like if if people are dying over like you know Kendall Roy just like coming back on screen on like, right. in October, like you know that, that that that's that's what's also just so damning about this. It's like you know this is like entertainment. It's a big industry and everything, but at the end of the day, you know, this is not like we're not. They're not. It's not like. It's not dire. No, no. Like, yeah, you can almost like, yeah, when when people try and use that argument for like nursing or something like that, it's like, you know, that's one thing. But yeah, these are movies like we can give people time off, you know, Um, but so like one thing that's interesting is, yeah, like the idea that, you know, people think that, oh, you get craft services and like there's these perks and benefits of like working on set. But like that's really so that like they can keep your meal times as short as possible, keep mm-hmm. you on set, keep you working. And so just things like that, that people are just like that, you know, they see it for what it is and they're fed up with it. Um, and yeah, the the um, bosses have basically been totally unwilling to move on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's just horrible stuff. 
Uh, and you you found something else, Cassidy, which was, I would say it's funny, but in light of uh, everything, I'm not quite sure. And this was a post from The Rock. Um, yes. Do you yeah. want me to so, read this? Or yeah, you no, so, oh, yeah. Our, our, our future, like the Democratic nominee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <mean. laughs> yeah. But also, he follows Ben Shapiro, just saying. Oh. Um, no, but he's he's Mr. He's Mr. Uh, bring America together. He's like Mr. You know? Bipartisan Both Sides yeah, Bullshit. Mr. Bi- yeah. 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 <laughs> but he's also he, he'll, Mr. He'll hear Ben Shapiro out. There's this there's on, on my front page on YouTube <laughs> when I like logged on. Um, it, like the first like video was like Russell Brand and Ben Shapiro respectfully disagreeing with each other, Jesus and it was like, and, and the video was like forty five minutes long. And oh my I'm like, god! Who is watching this? And, like, and next up, Matthew McConaughey. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, so I mean, you know, there's been a lot of like actors and actresses and stuff who have been posting in solidarity with IOTSI, which has been you know really great. Um. But two days ago, The Rock, he posted on Instagram. And again, like, I don't know if this is like really explicitly anti IOTSI, but like just the timing is very poor. Um, He said, a monster day of work, long hours, but extremely productive. Thank you to our phenomenal production crew for, in quotes, bringing it for 14 (laughs) hours straight. You're my rock stars. Covered a lot of business. Red Notice, Termana, XFL. Been waiting for this day for a very long time. My insane schedule is now behind me. Nothing but taillights. I need a well-earned drink. Um, So, yeah, just (laughs) not great timing given like so many (laughs) other actors are posting in solidarity. And he's basically just said, you know, he said, like, thanks for bringing it to my rock stars, which like if you've ever worked with a horrible boss, you know, the first thing they do is they say, like, you're my rock stars. Yeah. Um, It's it's basically the same as saying, like, we're family, you know. Yeah. But yeah, like. For him to be like, yeah, I've been waiting for this day for such a long time. I'm going to like take a break. I'm going to have a well-earned drink. <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah, well-earned drink after all of that. <laughs> Sir, like your production staff <laughs> is going to have to go back to work on another movie over and over and over again doing these 14-hour days. Or yeah, 14 hour days. Like, and you talk about how it's so, so like long and hard and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but you get to take a break afterwards and you get to like go on a sick vacay and have your drink and stuff. But like your workers have to go back to work. Um, So yeah, that IOTSI stories uh, page, they replied with a clap back. um, So we love to see it. And uh, yeah, so definitely check out that page and um, sign on to their petition if you have not yet yeah, yeah they have great graphic design too i love i love their uh i love their um the kind of like lip, uh tired eye that they have going on like with the ia solidarity like, yes like, yeah they, the they have IA a really good media kit um so yeah i think um i actually i retweeted that like a day or two ago they have a media kit that has yeah like all that sort of stuff for like twitter instagram and then also the um the petition to sign on to which you know, especially if you're a union member, like definitely sign on to that. But just anybody who wants to sign on in solidarity, for sure, get on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. my mom has a is a posting in solidarity, so you can't cancel my mom. Yeah, Don't we love to see my it. Mom. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I do not know the exact timing of when they're gonna like vote on 
um, the strike, but we will keep folks updated on that. Yeah, because it sounds like it's probably coming at this point. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think, like you said, they're they're really calling their bluff to be like, you know, like, are you going to come to the table or not? Yeah. Because like we are down to say fuck you, you know, um, that would be a first like in history. Yeah, no, that's what it sounds like. So that would be a really big deal. And yeah, I did see on that IOTC workers page, there was a worker that um, I guess they were trying to get, you know, more pay. And uh, their boss basically told them to fuck off. And they were like, hey, well, I'm just letting you know that like a strike is coming. And so you can either pay me now or later, but like <laughs> it's going to happen. And like it worked and they got the pay that they wanted. And so um, yeah, I think that, yeah, like calling their bluff is a good thing. And like, maybe, maybe they will come to the table. Um, but we will, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, if we can shut down the production of the latest Chuck Lorre show, that's a net positive. <laughs> and if it means increasing... a lot of prestige TV, now, yeah, just like, that's true. Yeah. They're actually doing a great, great, uh, absolutely service, service to our know. country. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like no. Andreas Malm in a way before, uh, <laughs> instead of for like blowing up pipelines where you know blowing up uh <laughs> hbo <laughs> dramas yeah and netflix um so i mean that's the big one is like um just a highlight on that too is you know in addition to just the insane working hours which like if you have time like flip through the cba because it's horrific like what what is allowed and how many hours that like they can work. Um, but like the other big thing is, yeah, like the new media thing. So like if you're working on stuff like Netflix or YouTube or whatever, like you are getting fucked and they're basically saying that that new media still is new media, even though most stuff is streaming nowadays. So yeah, we'll see what happens, but it's, uh, it's looking like things are going to come to a strike. So we shall see. So, yeah, TBD. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's another big striking story, but this one's a little bit closer to home, which is that the Carpenters Union has paused picketing in Seattle after wildcat strikes and a dispute with Shama Sawant. Uh, Heidi Groover reported this in the Seattle Times. Um, <laughs> I, I do have to say this is a little bit confusing, I think, if you're not well-versed in what's happening. I, I had to read the article several times. Um, but basically what it sounds like is that there's some fighting happening inside the union. And you had characterized this previously, Cassidy, as sort of the union management versus the union body itself. And the gist is that the <laughs> the union has made a deal that has forbidden striking in certain locations, which ends up impacting about, uh, I think, 2,000 uh, carpenters right now who, if they strike on site, will be subject to some kind of penalty or retaliation. And so I think it's actually the opposite, that 2,000 oh, 2, are allowed to strike, oh, but okay. 10,000 of the 12 are currently prevented from wow. striking. okay. So that... Yeah, that, so a, ma yeah, a majority of their majority. workers. Yeah, <laughs> which is a big deal. Uh, and then Shama Sawant came out in support of basically the right to strike. Um, 
And that that raised some ire from the union heads, mostly. <laughs> um, so we're yeah. not going to read the whole article, but we have a little bit here that I'm going to go through um, from Heidi Gruber's work. Yeah, go for it. The union representing striking carpenters temporarily stopped picketing at union-sanctioned construction sites in Seattle after a series of unsanctioned wildcat strikes Thursday. Workers were to remain off the job but not picket Friday. Northwest Carpenters Union Executive Secretary-Treasurer Evelyn Shapiro said in a statement Thursday evening. Shapiro said the union faces potential legal action from contractors because of unauthorized strikes. The union has been embroiled in internal divisions since its members voted this month to reject a tentative contract deal and go on strike. Union leadership had recommended the deal, which failed on a 56% to 44% vote. That was the fourth tentative agreement rejected by members. Carpenters who voted no said the deal did not offer sufficient pay increases, coverage of parking costs, or pension contributions. The strike began last week with union pickets slowing work at select job sites around the region but many of the union's members continued working because of widespread no-strike agreements signed with employers. Of the union's 12,000 members, about 2,000 work at sites where strikes were allowed. So Cassidy was right. I had that backwards. Some union members have criticized union leadership and discussed unsanctioned strikes. Union leadership had warned that such wildcat strikes could draw legal challenges from employers and cost union resources. Seattle City Council member Shama Swant entered the fray backing union members who voted against the deal. Despite the union's official picketing pause, unauthorized actions appeared to continue Friday morning. Carpenter Joe Souza and about 30 others were picketing a job site at Microsoft's Redmond campus and planned to continue daily, he said. The site does not have a no-strike agreement. We can't stop picketing because once we stop picketing, all these trades are going to see that we're weak and start crossing, Sosa said. Our intention is to keep the momentum going. Okay, so, I mean, where do we start? Like, I think one place to start is that, you know, something that I believe, and I think a lot of people who see this at the surface, like, we do believe, like, there should be no such thing as an illegal strike, obviously. Like, if workers have democratically decided that they want to strike, then, like, they should be able to strike, you know? That's something that at the surface I think we can all agree on. I think another thing that... (laughs) people might not think about but is sadly really really fucking common um is these no strike clauses um so you know if you're not familiar basically in a cba like in a lot of the time this will be like article one or two or three like one of the first things you see in a collective bargaining agreement is a no strike clause which is basically saying like either it it prevents the bargaining unit from striking altogether um, or it has like stipulations in terms of like this one. It sounds like it's probably certain job sites you are allowed to strike at certain ones you aren't and they have different stipulations for it. Um, I'm under the belief that like if there's a no strike clause then like and this might sound like um, I don't know, stupid, but like if there's a no strike clause, like that's not a real bargaining uh, agreement because like if you can't withhold your labor and your power, then like what, what is that agreement? Yeah. What's the point? So I think that's like, 
just looking from like the top level, that's something that we can really learn from this is like, if you're organizing within your union or whatever that may be, like, this is something we can learn. And like, we should always try to fight for, which is like, you should always try and have like the ability for your workers to withhold their labor um, in your contract. And that's a lot easier said than done. And a lot of the time, that's the first thing that a boss tries to get into a contract is like taking that right away. But there's a reason for that, right? Is because of like, they, they want to make it more difficult for you. Um, so that's like where we're at is again, like it sounds like their bargaining agreements have stopped basically, I mean, 10,000 out of 12,000 of the work yeah. workers, like that's ridiculous. Um, so like, it, you know, I think it makes sense that, there's workers who, you know, they are working at the Microsoft campus or wherever it may be, and they're being told they can't withhold their labor. Um, that's super shitty, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think to underscore what you said, I mean, it feels like these clauses are designed to neutralize the most effective wielding of power. Um, Absolutely. And I, and I think that that's what Shama Sawant has mostly been rallying against here uh, is this right to strike, as you had underlined, Cassidy. Yeah, um, right. And so, yeah, I think that, like, again, on the surface, like, all of us can agree with not only, you know, if a worker wants to withhold their labor, like, I support that, like, no questions asked, you know, and I think all of us can agree on that. And so I think that's the perspective i'm sure that shama is coming at it is that yeah like if workers want to strike like let's fucking support them let's throw down money for them let's organize you know um but yeah i definitely think that there there is more to it for sure um and you had found a tweet thread summed up um summing up some of the reactions to this right yeah so um Joe Mizrahi, and if I'm mispronouncing that, I'm sorry, but he is the, uh, what is it called? Like, yeah, secretary treasurer of um, mm-hmm. UFCW, like one of the locals around here, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that his tweet thread, and I'm not necessarily even saying that I agree with all of it necessarily. And I think that even some of the things he's pointing out, he's not even saying he agrees with, but it is some context um, that, again, like you said, if you're looking at this without being like a union organizer, like being familiar with labor, it can be kind of confusing. And so I do think his thread does give some good context to it if you want to read that. I've seen lots of my lefty Twitter friends who are perplexed that a big part of labor is annoyed that council member Sawant is involving herself in strike actions or folks who say things like unions should just call a general strike. This is a good example of why it's problematic. Yes, strikes are an expression of worker power. They are also governed by NLRA and contracts. If a worker goes on strike improperly, A, the worker can be fired, and B, the union can be liable for damages to the company. No worker is better off fired and with a bankrupt union. Union officers and and rank-and-file boards are fiduciaries of union resources. That means a lot of boring little things like making sure receipts for organizing meetings are properly kept and big things like making sure our fucking treasury, all worker money, doesn't get seized. So yeah, it can be a bit annoying when folks who have no fiduciary responsibility to union membership are cavalier to the risks workers take when they walk off the job. 
Do unions, by and large, need to be more militant? Yes. I'll shout, I'll shout that every day from the rooftops, rooftops if I have to. But folks outside of labor need to give workers, through their union, the space to figure out how to do that in a way that protects worker resources. The ongoing existence of their worker org and the workers' ability to return to the job when the strike is won. So, yeah, again, like, do I necessarily agree with everything he's saying? No, but I do think it gives important context to the fact that, like, it's not as much as you and I can be like, fuck, yeah, we support a worker who wants to, like, pick it outside of Microsoft's campus. Like, absolutely, I support that. The reality is, is, like, as a union, um, like they can't necessarily like recommend that because like if they get fired that puts everybody in a really not great space or like if they get put in a space where like the NLRB gets involved or something like that like that's not good for workers um and so you know do I agree with like the way that um MLK labor just like totally shits on Shama at any like point that they get an excuse to absolutely not but I do think that there is like this, this kind of explains why they're being shitty about it is because like, yeah, the reality is, is like bosses suck and they're going to use any excuse that they can to fuck workers. And so as much as it sucks that their contracts are shitty and that like 10,000 of their workers can't, um, uh, can't like legally strike like that that's just what they have to say. I feel like I don't like that's, that's the read I'm getting is it's just like they can't publicly support these strikes. And so they're not going to, do I think that makes it okay? No. But like the reality is, is like we live in a country that fucks workers all the time. Um, and like the NLRB like does not protect us. Um, and so that's just the reality of the situation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think also, you know, like, there are arguments to be made that uh, the people on the other side of the bargaining table, like the bosses, do not um, follow rules at oh, all. Oh, absolutely. Right? And absolutely. Like, you know, yeah. And, you know, I think so often workers are told that, oh, you know, it's just like within the rules and laws. But the, yep. I mean, the flip side of that, too, is like, you know, um, where the power kind of lies, especially like in this, you know, system that they're existing in and like where labor is so weak, you know, it can see where they're coming from but at the same time like at a certain point uh, for it to change sometimes you gotta just you know be brave absolutely and say, Fuck it. absolutely yeah. yeah and no i think um again you know yeah like when i was on bernie campaign and we did wildcat organizing like our union reps and organizers like publicly they could not support that uh organizing but like behind the scenes like they were you know like as long as things were democratically decided they were happy to support us and so i am curious like what the behind the scenes is um i'm sure that just like every union there's some more radical organizers and there's some and and those in leadership and there's some in leadership that are not and aren't that great and aren't supportive um but yeah, I think, you know, the most important thing is like for us to yeah stand in solidarity with these workers. And if things like that happen where they do get fired because of things like this, like we have to support them and we have to do the things that Shama is doing, which is, you know, make creating like uh, funding and stuff like that for for a strike fund, which like the fact that that doesn't exist is um, problematic in itself. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm mean, like, I think <laughs> like, like what, can we like read like uh, Shama's quote was super funny because like, I think she said something like, I will donate like a big portion of my, yeah. Glory if you guys have exactly. this actual, exactly. fund, you know, like, and that, I, that, that just exposes it too. Like if you're like union leadership, you just don't even have a strike fund to begin with. I mean, no. And also, yeah, again, like, and we talked about this crazy. a little bit, but yeah, like if, um, you know, I'm here for union leadership, getting paid like good wages and all that but like if you're making two hundred thousand dollars like the president of this union is but you're not working like to make sure that there's a strike fund for your workers like that's sus (laughs) for sure so um yeah it's just it's it's a bummer and i think that this is one of those situations too that is really sad because so often you know people that again that are in the labor movement they think of quote-unquote the union as these quote-unquote like labor bosses and people that aren't in touch with what's going on on the ground um but in reality yeah like the union should be the rank and file it should be the workers and so seeing a situation like this where it really is in such disagreement and the leadership hasn't been willing to support its workers is really sad. Yeah. So I found that quote um, that Munya mentioned, or at least the passage from the article, I'm just going to quickly read that. Yeah. It says, Sawant has released a letter of support signed by about 80 members of the union, planned a rally for Saturday and said she would pay $10,000 towards a strike fund if the union established one. She wrote on Facebook this week that the use of no-strike agreements ties the hands of striking workers. A public petition organized by Swant says, we support the carpenters' calls to be able to picket all possible job sites in order to bring the highest pressure to bear to win their demands. Um, which, yeah, again, I think just underscores everything that we She's just talked wrong about. She's not wrong at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, yeah no exactly. No, none. I mean, yeah, these no-strike clauses are fucked. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that what she's saying is extremely accurate and true. And I think that parts of, like, what Joe is saying in terms of, like, the reality is, is, like, we are working within the system. Like, that is true. But that doesn't, like, guess what? Like, this is what Shama fucking does. Like, you know, so if you're going to be pissed about it, like, sorry. But, like, this is exactly what her role is, is to come in and, like, not give a shit about what the rules are. And so... I'm not surprised, nor am I upset. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think that clearly the rules need to change. There exactly. Was, there yeah. was one funny bit that we didn't read, uh, which is that that quote we read from uh, Sosa. I can't remember the first name. Joe Sosa, maybe. Yeah, Joe Sosa. Um, so apparently, ironically, Sosa actually went out and joined the iron workers who infamously were shouting down Sawant in front of the Bezos balls during the 2018 rally. Uh, But then later is quoted, and I think this is interesting in context of our discussion here. It says, I don't really believe in her politics. I'm not a socialist. I'm not on board with defunding the police, the head tax, or anything like that. He said, but I'm with her in support of the unions. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know why that was necessary to just like <laughs> say all that other stuff, you know. I, I don't know what you gained from that, but <laughs> yeah, like that sucks, or I'm happy for you, bro. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> happy wow. for you, or I'm sorry that happened, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> wow. 
Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's been disappointing to see this all go down the way it has, but I say, yeah, like, let's keep supporting the workers, keep supporting Shama and, uh, you know, sometimes you have to do things that are a little uncomfortable to get shit done. So it is what it is. Yep. That is the Gotta truth. Be brave. Yeah. Yep. So since we're already talking about Sawant, there was a very recent delivery from the horse man himself. New horse he just dropped. <laughs> yeah. New new horsey. <laughs> the day one horse armor download. Um, oh my god! So this was titled Seattle Innovation <laughs> and Stagnation, <laughs> and it was published three days ago from our recording. And uh, it's just a doozy. So it's got it's got a let's see six logos and they're just logos that it looks like <laughs> they're you, not cartoon like no. I mean they're like you you go on to like google images and and search like generator.com yeah like the logo yeah and it's the first result it says six signs of local excellence on the left <laughs> and then on the right it says and this one not so much with a picture of a clown and then it says Seattle City Council underneath it, which I guess <laughs> now is the Seattle City Council seal. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Uh, well, and, and it is also a council with yeah, them spelled an correctly. S. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, for the lulls. Who knows yeah. what was going on in that's, uh, that's the horse very man's lay mind. Epic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're, we're going to read what he wrote because it's very short. And it's very funny. Uh, because of course he needs to explain this comic to us. Yeah, so. yeah. Of course he needs. Like, yeah, you know you're a great cartoonist when you like have a whole like column explaining yeah. what you just did. <laughs> the hallmark of a great cartoon. The yeah. Seattle metropolitan area ranks just 15th in size in the United States, but competes on a world class level. The University of Washington is rated as one of the top universities on the planet. Boeing founded in Seattle, has been the premier American aircraft manufacturer for decades. Barf. Uh-huh. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Microsoft revolutionized global computer technology. Oh my God. Amazon, uh-huh. this, this was my favorite, Amazon is a behemoth <laughs> that bestrides several economic sectors. That just doesn't even like, what he's like the first mean? ones he's like spent, he's like basically like got like Boeing and Microsoft's like PR talking yeah. points and like, you know, no, it's just like, yeah, you know, like Boeing, like, you know, you get from point A to point B with Boeing, you know, like, oh, Microsoft, you're <laughs> using this computer right now. Yeah. Amazon's just like a big monopoly. Like they're, they're yeah. just like, yeah, <laughs> a- a- Amazon's just like a giant monopoly that's just spreading out in like various industries and just like, but, but, but in a, in a very cool way. Um, yeah. In a know? Seattle excellence in a, way. Yeah. In a Seattle, uh, yeah. Extremely Seattle excellence voice expanding <laughs> yeah. into different markets. <laughs> The uh, kaiju that has stolen our hearts. Yeah. Uh, Nordstrom set the standard for quality and customer service in the clothing industry. This this Nordstrom <laughs> having Nordstrom in there is just doing upper middle class signaling. It's basically saying I walk into Northgate Mall and I don't go to Macy's <laughs> or JC Penney. You know, I'm I'm more of a Nordstrom kind of guy. You know, uh, that's exactly <laughs> like what 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 else? I mean, what has Nordstrom done that has been innovative in the last? decade or so even 20 years i mean like like what 
I mean, charitably, charitably, they tried to acquire Trunk Club, which was like this uh, (laughs) thing where in like 2014, where you'd um, they'd like send you, they like get to know you, basically create a profile, get to know you, and then like you know, curators would then like put like six things in like their trunk, which would be like a shipping you know box. So rent the runway. Try them all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. rent the runway type deal at the end, but they like shut it down. So, yeah, you know, tight, I, tight, I don't know tight. what the hell Nordstrom is. They're they're a very traditional brick and mortar apparel apparel merchandising and uh, retail company. Again, yeah, Seattle was, excellence. Yeah, I was Seattle excellence though. If it was a callback to the protest in during last summer oh. when Nordstrom was very highly publicized <laughs> to have been vandalized. Oh um, yeah, the true yeah. victims of Seattle. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> horror strikes one. Like yeah, the Nordstrom <laughs> windows are smashed. <laughs> and I, in their defense, I think they actually made a statement that said something along the lines of, "We don't actually care. You don't need to go clean the graffiti <laughs> off the windows. Please don't do yeah, that." Yeah, you like, fucking like dumbass <laughs> hogs. Like <laughs> we have insurance for this shit. We are yeah, like, yeah. like a multi-billion-dollar company. We don't give a fuck like you're, about your. <laughs> culture war and, and, and horsey's like fuck it I, i'm gonna ride for y'all like, yeah <laughs> i don't care <laughs> all right i bet you can guess the last one starbucks is the ubiquitous coffee vendor in the u.s and abroad oh my god <laughs> i just <laughs> i just i just love like i mean like I at this point you should just say, oh, America's biggest export is culture, after all, or something. <laughs> just like like naked imperial talking points. Like yeah, Starbucks is are everywhere. Starbucks are in like Indonesia and Russia now. Isn't that great, guys? Like amazing. <laughs> Seattle is winning. That is a lot of competence, intelligence, and innovation at work. And it all came <laughs> from local brains. No, stop. Yeah. stop. Local brains uh, like yours and mine. Wow. Yeah. Um, it, well, it's so funny is if you ever, um, you know, go to any of these companies and like, you know, or talk to anyone who works at these companies, they'll are usually shocked when they meet a person who's from Seattle, they'll call you a native, which is like, you know, already. Just yeah. Kinda, problematic you know, as well. Like, uh, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> And then they'd be like, wow, I just like, I just don't meet many people from Seattle. And, you know, it's fair. It's been, you know, the beat on this podcast before that, you know, we are not the most social, uh, even though Offer no. Up says otherwise, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the Offer Up says that we are the most social, uh, you know, neighborly oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. city in the world. But, um, you know, I, the fact that that comes from Offer Up means that we're not asking our neighbors. We're asking like gig people to, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, to actually, you know, do like menial tasks, but I digress. I think that, you know, uh, to, to even like charitably say that these are coming from local brains when these are all, I mean, multi-billion dollar uh, <laughs> corporations, which like are international and abroad. I mean, like it's, it's ludicrous to think that, um, I mean, like it's, it's even a historical to the narrative that I think even Amazon might want at this point, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, they're not peddling the narrative saying that we hire locally or that like it, like Seattle made them like what it is. It's like you know, um, there's a reason why uh, the character of this city has changed in the last ten years, right? It's a reason why I think rents have gone up in a while. It doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from um, you know, like people from all around the world coming to Seattle to work, work yeah. at these companies. So. 
Um, just just kind of even like losing the plot on the on talking points too. I guess with, with yeah, this, no, uh, I th- I think that's a great point. Um, <laughs> so so just to l- remind you where we left off, we were we were on <laughs> local brains. Uh, we we're c- contemplating local brains. It is too bad the same cannot be said of local politics, in particular, the <laughs> Seattle City Council. Got them. The Seattle Got City em. Council. <laughs> with an S. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Faced with mounting concerns about crime, cops, homelessness, and infrastructure, most council members seem more concerned with preserving ideological purity than implementing pragmatic effective solutions and effect- what, what, ex- what exactly did these six like signs of local excellence do for any of those issues? <laughs> yeah. Like it, did he make the except case make at all that worse, they, yeah. yeah, except for making them worse, except for maybe like, you know, like run Amazon <laughs> ring or like sell technology to police. <laughs> I mean, maybe like, you know, make a, make a drone that competes with Raytheon, you know, and like bomb in the case of Boeing. Um, like I, I like it literally was just like, Damn, like they're operating uh, earnings before dividends and taxes are going crazy. Anyway, um, <laughs> compare that to Seattle's handling of crime. It's crazy. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> but it is not just the rigidly leftward lean of the council that may be the problem. A smart, I fucking wish, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. A smart socialist like Bernie Sanders, after all, did a pretty good job when he was oh mayor of Burlington, God. Vermont. <laughs> no, the pro the problem may be simple competence or the lack thereof. The cur- the current batch of council members, with an exception or two, I wonder who that could be. Yeah. <laughs> do, do not seem up to the job. In November, citizens of Seattle will get the chance to pick two new council members. Let's hope the voters are smart in their choices because we could use a lot more excellence at City Hall. Horse <laughs> <laughs> man out. Wow. I think that that's like a low key call out for one of us to run, like some podcaster excellence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, this has been podcaster excellence for like a, a whole year now, basically. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're going to make her a big splash pretty soon into local <laughs> politics. I mean, podcasters need to. <laughs> Need to, yeah, we need to we need to get podcaster representation in councils. Far absolutely, too absolutely, because apparently everyone else is too dumb. Like that's literally <laughs> yeah. what he's just like. Yeah, the problem isn't socialism; it's that you guys are dumb. Like, yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. He's like, okay. not all socialists <laughs> from are the dumb. guy that made this meme. Like, very cool, and spelled council wrong. I mean, like the 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 meme genuinely looks like something you would see on a like foster school of business like facebook <laughs> group meme you know yeah. like those like facebook as meme someone groups. who's been in those groups like absolutely like, yeah, yeah so. i mean it's like it's so low effort it's so like he didn't even bother like you know like doing a cartoon of any of the uh you know corporate logos it just, yeah it's just like i don't know it's just it, it definitely has the energy of like 2 a.m. and your like paper is due the next morning type of vibe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like at the at the um at undercurrent with the watermarked like Getty images stock <laughs> stock images they use for the climate change thing over Greta Thunberg's image. Like you know, like yeah, I don't know. This is the I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a shutter shock water watermark on one of these. <laughs> No, literally, though. 
There's yeah. this there's this really funny um video that Cerise unearthed a few years ago of um this like private I think this is like it was like this like it was like this middle school um that had this like performance like interpretive and I wouldn't even like interpretive is like giving it a little too much credit, but it's like a, an organized uh, dance that is like performed and, but it's like about nine 11. Oh. And like, so like the people are like spinning in a, in a circle and like, then like the, it's basically like everyone is like playing and then <laughs> playing like crashes into the, t- like it, the actual like video of a oh. plane crashing into the tower. And then like two girls are like, Spinning while like kind of like falling down, right? And wow. like the whole thing was like, wow, like we were down. But that and then like and then like this like fucking like a montage pops up, and it and it was like, but then America bounced back, and then it like <laughs> and, then, and then and then and then it like shows like a montage of like products that got released. Yes. It was like it released yes. the iPod. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we it, it, it even was like saying like non-American things. It was like we got the Nintendo Wii. We got the Xbox. We got like <laughs> shit. We got we got <laughs> yeah and it was like yeah America bounced back and we then we got the iPhone and stuff. It was like and that, that was the message was like yeah sure you know we had a disaster but you know we got some really cool treats along the way so american excellence <laughs> america I mean, bounce back yeah love to see it that's that's the energy i that's i feel sick. from this <laughs> seattle <laughs> bounce so back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow God. well i can't wait to see what he comes up with next um maybe 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 a rendition of that maybe he'll go into uh, playwriting that'd be sick yeah that would yeah, be do sick. a little choreo <laughs> I mean, instead of like writing an article to go with his like cartoons, maybe he could, yeah, do like a musical, you know? <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, just a one man. Pardon me, play. sir. Are you yeah. Jeff Bezos, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I'm David Horsey, and I'm at your service, sir. <laughs> oh my God, that reminds me. I've had this joke in my head for like six months. <laughs> Of singing Alexander Peterson in the Alexander <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> so you just throw that in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Make sure to credit me, David Horsey. If yeah. You do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe as like a, a bonus content, we should just all like all five of us should like write a <laughs> short musical called Alexander Peterson. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> maybe okay maybe we're like leaking like a uh, potential live show material yeah yeah keep that in Ooh. the yeah in the can in there well speaking of alexander peterson and i don't actually know if that's his name i think his name might just be alex but uh, it's funnier to to get it wrong the city council <laughs> that we just heard about who don't have working brains apparently yeah they approved the requirement for six months notice of rent increases we love to see Let's it. Let's go. I yeah. love that. Finally, some good news. Yeah. Uh, this, yeah, this I, was spearheaded <laughs> by Sawant. Sorry, go ahead, Cassidy. Oh, I was just going to say, this is like the, um, what did he say? Hold on. I was going to pull one of the quotes from, sorry. I it's totally cer- just... It's certainly left-leaning. Let's... Yeah, it's definitely left-leaning. Um, yeah, just like ideological purity, like mm, not mm-hmm. actual, not actually addressing homelessness at all, right? Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. 
Uh, and it was seven. Did you say it was? I thought someone said it was seven one. Is seven right? one. Yeah. Yeah. Who didn't vote? Isn't it? Oh, right? I wonder. I wonder. Hmm. Well, yeah. So who who didn't who didn't agree? Who, who uh, could that have been? I think it might have been Mr. Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta. I think. I think. You know. Um. Who who would? I mean. You know. I'm not gonna. I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying that, you know, Aaron Burr, you know, you just want to see it from his perspective a little bit. That's all. We want to see both sides. That's yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Parody, parody. <laughs> yes, parody. Um so this this one's also from Heidi Groover. Thank you, Heidi. Uh thanks, Heidi. Yeah, this was published in the Seattle Times just a few hours ago. This happened today. This is some breaking very news. yes, very breaking good news. Because now we're the Good News Network. Wow. Uh, yeah. Seattle City Council approves requirement for six months' notice of rent increases. So this one's not too long. I'm going to just read it through quickly. Uh, Seattle landlords will soon have to provide six months' notice of rent increases and, in some cases, pay tenants who move after a significant rent hike. The Seattle City Council approved two bills Monday, the latest in a series of new landlord-tenant regulations, including bans on some evictions and the right to an attorney for low-income tenants facing eviction. Councilmember Shama Swan sponsored the proposal, saying they will help to mitigate the harm that is going to be experienced by renters because of skyrocketing rents. Landlords criticized the proposals, arguing they could push small-scale operators to sell their rentals. The council approved a bill requiring 100 days, 180 days notice of rent increases with a 7-to-1 vote. Landlords are currently required to give 60 days notice for rent increases. Councilmember Alex Peterson voted no, saying the bill should exempt landlords with a small number of properties. Councilmember Deborah Juarez was absent. Uh, the relocation assistance bill passed unanimous, unanimously. That bill re- will require landlords to pay equal to three months of rent for low-income tenants who depart after rent increases of 10% or more. During public comment Monday, most speakers spoke in favor of the new laws. I've moved eight times in 10 years, and this is because landlords keep raising my rent a crazy exorbitant amount, said Heather Steiner. Please support renters. Landlords argued the bills amounted to rent control. Each of these bills is excessive in every way, said landlord. Every way. Marilyn I'm not Goodman and Essex, Yim said, referring to large real estate firms. You know those household real estate uh, firms that everyone knows, um, talks about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not here. I'm a community member. After a brief reprieve during the pandemic, Seattle tenants are once again seeing their rents go up. For tenants signing new leases, Seattle rents this month are up 12% from the same time last year and have surpassed pre-pandemic levels. Seattle is back, baby, uh, (laughs) according to Apartment List. Yeah, we've we've bounced back, folks. (laughs) Yeah, let's keep that. Seattle excellence for you. Yeah, keep that going. Uh, For tenants staying in their homes, rent hikes prohibited for months because of a statewide eviction moratorium are once again allowed. As rents rents were (laughs) dropping, some landlords offered deals such as a month of free rent or lower rates to attract tenants. For some renters, those benefits quickly vanished. Capitol Hill renter Ryan Kluge said he received notice over the weekend that his one-bedroom apartment's $1,095 rent will increase to $1,895 if he renews his lease as falls. A 73% increase. Given that rents were down when he moved in last winter, 
Lucha expected some kind of rent increase this year, but was stunned by the amount. That's insane. I was was anticipating maybe 20 to 30% at the most, he said in an interview. It almost feels like landlords are trying to get revenge right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not wrong. Like... Yeah, it's, it's almost like landlords have like a specific like class position that like makes them parasitic and antithetical <laughs> to community as a whole and um, should absolutely be included no matter how small of a holder, quote unquote, small of a holder they are compared to Jared Kushner. Sorry, but I mean, you're kind of a you're kind of a parasite, too. Yeah, a creature so vile. I've heard even Adam Smith was not a fan. Yeah, right. Kluge said six months notice of the rent hike would have allowed him more time to save for moving costs and moving charges. For now, he worries about finding a new rental because it's not just this place, he said. It's every single place, realizing they can start charging far more than they have been. Landlord advocates argue property owners need the flexibility to raise rents when their expenses go up. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, what expenses going up? Uh, 73% right. for like less than a year. What, where, where's that coming from? I think it's time to get another ice cream fridge. That's yeah. probably what's going on. Yeah, but it's the McDonald's one. And you, I mean, if any, DM me if you've ever gotten uh, ice cream from McDonald's because I, I think that there's a, there's something funny going on. I haven't like crystallized what like crank conspiracy it is, but there is one and I'll get to the bottom of it. Oh, didn't you hear like the FTC is like investigating McDonald's ice cream machines? Yeah. Oh, fine. It's a whole thing. Yeah. So like it's, it's the conspiracy is now mainstream for Let's sure. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go, yeah. baby. Yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, the maintenance fees alone, like I guess, you know, maybe that is a 73% increase. So no, <laughs> no, He's but like, yeah, go, right, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, like, imagine being like a property owner uh, in the city of Seattle and like thinking that you're the victim. Like, it's just it's so wild. Oh, it's so it's so crazy, too, because like Seattle specifically just has it just a, even for the states, which already just real estate in the United States in general is like insane. But like. In the context of the United States, the state of Washington just has such a uniquely insane real estate market. Yep. Like I, I like let's even like scope out from Seattle and just like the state of Washington in general. Just if you own property, just on average, year over year, your equity went up by a hundred thousand dollars. That means like you're just like sitting like and just like suddenly landing just appeared passively, right? Yeah. Like that's like more than many people make in a whole year with their actual labor. No, and you so know? yeah, I mean, like we can talk about minting, minting equity. Right. We now. can talk about like Alex's whole like oh like if you're a small property owner like okay but if you're a small property owner that means that like with your personal wealth you have acquired more than yeah. one property so like that's just as wild if not more in my opinion as like being a business that has a bunch of properties you know like yeah so so i mean yeah to try and say these people need protected like fuck that no they're they, they're they are a like a class of people who are able to own multiple properties and the whole promise of getting into the real estate or the landlord business is that it's essentially like a triple win that you never really see in investment vehicles where you can have your cake and make your cake, mm-hmm. eat it to get the cherry on top because you basically like, you know, leverage debt to not really pay actual cash 
on your property, right? Decide like the down payment. And even that sometimes not. Um, and then those monthly payments you just put on to the tenant and then some. So you basically get someone who doesn't own your place to pay that mortgage. So they're not even like paying for the, like, you know, they're just getting yep. someone who can just occupy it, pay that entire mortgage. There's not like a half split thing, right? So, I mean, for any investment vehicle to provide that level of, of ease and like wealth right. generation is um, extremely unique and lucrative if you can actually, you know, afford to get into that business. Obviously, like super extractive, right? And that's why any sort of rocking the boat is shaky because it's all predicated on the fact on they that number needs to be higher the number that they receive from the tenant needs to be higher than, you know, the actual mortgage that they're paying and like, you know, the property uh, taxes that they're paying too. Right. Uh, so some people will leverage that and be like, maybe they couldn't afford it otherwise, which is, I'm sorry. Like, you know what a capitalist say if you make babe, a like, risk uh, yeah. in investments and it doesn't pay off or yeah. if let's say, I don't know, you get fired from your job and like they say tough shit, eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you risked and you lost. It's funny how that rule doesn't apply at all. And they turn into like, uh, like whiny crybabies when like, like there's even the, the, even the, the remote risk of that happening for the first time in their risky ass investment that they're in. Like at one point now, the idea that maybe they might have a small setback is actually there. That's what they're freaking out about. Yeah, landlords are like bootstraps who? Like <laughs> I've never I've never heard of them, but uh -huh. for their for their renters like yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous, but I think that also this is just a reminder to like this legislation is really good and needed and important, but um we need the state legislature to do something about uh, rent control because that renter who said, yeah, like their rent went up 70 whatever percent, but they were like, well, I was expecting like 20 or 30 percent. Like that's fucked too. Like, yeah. can we just say that? Like you should not have to expect a 20 to 30 percent rent increase. 30%. And I think Shama's legislation that she had written, uh, a couple of years ago, um, it capped it at like 8.4% or something like that. Um, so yeah, you know, like getting six months notice is definitely cool and a good start, but yeah, like we need to fucking take care of that. Cause that's bad. I mean, what do you do with six months notice when yeah, everywhere's increasing, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. And even 8% is huge when no 8% is huge, giant. but it's not 78%. Yeah. Uh, totally. So, totally. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fucked. These bills do nothing to address our housing shortage and are just the latest in a string of bad ideas that have made housing more expensive over the last seven years. The rental housing association of Washington and the Washington multifamily housing association said in a joint statement Monday evening, the notice rule appears to be among the strictest in the country. The relocation assistance bill is similar to an existing Seattle program offering assistance for low-income tenants displaced by renovations. However, that cost is split between the city and landlord, while the new assistant, assistance would be entirely paid by the landlord. Portland has a relocation assistance program in place for rent increases of 10% or more in one year. Landlords there have sued. <laughs> 
<laughs> Council members on Monday debated whether to limit which tenants could receive the new form of relocation assistance. In a committee meeting last week, council members narrowed Sawant's original proposal to tenants making 80% of the area's median income or less, about $65,000 for a single person. Sawant on Monday proposed an amendment shifting the program back to covering all tenants. Sawan argued the limit was unnecessary. There is a means test built into the life circumstances of being displaced by a rent increase because it's going to be working people and low-income people and people who are financially vulnerable who are going to be facing the displacement problem, she said. Peterson, who supported the income limit, said the new program is a big change from what the existing law is. I think having it tailored to lower-income households would be helpful for it to be sustainable. Councilmember Andrew Lewis said the limit will help the new law withstand potential lawsuits. With a 5-3 vote, council members rejected Sawant's amendment, meaning the legislation will apply only to renters below the income threshold. The bill requiring more notice for rent increases will take effect a month after the mayor signs it. The relocation assistance bill takes effect in July. I mean, yeah, fuck means testing, especially if it's yeah. like if you're applying to get help with your rent, like, <laughs> yeah, like you shouldn't have to prove what your fucking yearly income is because obviously you can't pay your rent. But um, that's that's that is Seattle City Council is like they, they do a thing, but they're like, but not too much, you know, <laughs> just just a little yeah. rental assistance yeah. is a treat. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Means testing sucks ass. I don't, it's just obnoxious and just makes bills just less potent and effective to what they're supposed to do. And it opens more loopholes. So, and yeah, it's just like, especially in who knows, but like uh, more often than not, these sort of income requirements or whatever, they base it off of your past year, like the year yeah, before. Yeah, and exactly. so it's like, cool, I made 65000 last year, but now I'm jobless and can't pay my rent, but they're telling mm-hmm. me to fuck off. Like, that's cool. Yeah, it's the same thing so. with the stimulus checks, too. Yep. It's like, yeah. you know, the logic is so backwards because it's like, yeah, what you made last year does not make any no. sense if you know the conditions that you're in right now yeah it often your conditions completely change exactly so, yeah yeah so once again yeah throw down for shama because she's yeah. thrown down for us so yes everyone do the spirit bomb for shama um <laughs> real seattle excellence right there <laughs> yeah just saying <laughs> it's but. true Nordstrom's and Starbucks. And there's somebody you forgot to ask. (laughs) 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 So uh, we just wanted to remind you before we leave you this week that there is a new series from our very own Munyan Brian called Ending the Myth. And episode one was released last uh, Sunday. And episode two will be releasing this Sunday coming up. And you should go check those out. Go listen to them. There's, the hype is real. Just the saying. The hype is real. It's true. Mm-hmm. They've they've done such great work. There's so much more of this to see. Um, if you're a real nerd and you like to read, there's suggested readings. You can do homework. You can you can even see what might be coming ahead uh, in the suggested so readings peak. exactly today. So Ooh. go check that out and keep keep an eye on that um, in the future. Is there anything I'm forgetting, Munya? Um, no, no, I think, uh, I think you covered it all. If you're, uh, looking to read along too, like this is set up. I, I, I do want to be clear about something that like, you know, this podcast it's, um, you know, we're following Greg Grandin's end of the myth book. 
Um, it's not a requirement to listen though. Like if you want to listen to it, just like blowback style where you're just like listening to it on audio, uh, we recorded for it to be accessible without any context to, you know, you're reading it as well. So, you know, if you do want to read it though with us and like, you know, uh, you know, just dive in deep, uh, the next episode is going to be on, uh, chapter two. So just read up to chapter two there. But Hell yeah. not a requirement. So enjoy if you like to learn more audibly um, or just like want to casually listen. Uh, it, it will be a fun journey. Yeah. So if you're happen. like me and just like don't want to read, like this is still a great opportunity to learn. So don't let that stop you from listening. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Grow those local and remote brains. You can do it. <laughs> um, and if you're listening to this and you're not a patron, go sign up. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, why not? It just feels bad to us when you're not. Uh, and you, you call yourself a socialist? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but you don't pay us? Yeah, clearly ideologically <laughs> impure. So yeah. fix that impurity. Sign up today. Listen to all kinds of stuff. Uh, I, at this point, honestly, I think there's probably, there's got to be close to at least 100 episodes. Um Sometimes you get a little sneak peek of side episodes. Mm -hmm. You will get them in advance. We've had bonus content. Uh, we have talked about schemes of streaming coming to you live um, in, in real life. That may be a patron-only thing. So sign up there, and then you can come to our Discord and yeah. see what kind of stuff we have to say or um, find out something new about Grimes from Cerise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and uh yeah just stay abreast with all the freak thought that's out there uh we'd love to have you so check out our patreon join us yeah yes and we will catch you all next week i suppose awesome thanks guys bye bye